welcome to this week's edition of UJ Sports Live with Jim Donnan. I'm your host, Rodney Nabulsi, and of course, Jim Donnan has joined us. He's here to give us his insight and uh, expertise and analysis. You can ask him questions, put them in the comment section there, and we will get to them. We also have a ton of questions from UJ Sports, uh, our readers over there. We will get to those first because, hey, they, they are our subscribers. They're the ones who take care of us. If you would, please share this with your friends. We greatly appreciate it. We also have Dane Young here. We put him last after the share message because, you know, we do stuff by, uh, by priority. We open the show with Coach, and then I tell you who I am, and then we uh, go to Dane, uh, fourth or fifth. That's just how it works out. All right, Coach, uh, we'll jump right into it. Georgia did not make the playoffs. They lost Alabama. Uh, I think Georgia got hosed, but maybe that's just the homer in me. My whole take was Alabama didn't need to be undefeated to get in. Georgia did. FSU was undefeated. They didn't get in. And it just feels like it's a uh, – uh, Shifting goalposts for the different teams out there. I get it. There's only four. It's the last year of it, but kind of feel like the dogs got hosed. Uh, you're probably much more pragmatic than that. And I'm, I'm more of a wear my emotions on my sleeve type of guy. But uh, kind of gives your thoughts on where things stand right now and what's next for Georgia heading into this uh, Orange Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the question I continue to ask myself is if Florida State wasn't that good without their quarterback, why were they ranked as high for two weeks prior to – the last two weeks, why did you put them up there? Uh, and and then the other thing is, if we uh, are going to drop five places, how can two teams over seventh and the eighth move up uh, three and four with one loss? So, uh, you know, certainly give credit to Alabama. They did a terrific job. Uh, you know, they did a great job beating Auburn in that game. That was really a heck of a win for them. I mean – I mean, you just it is so many different things back and forth. But I will say Alabama controlled the line of scrimmage for the most part uh, in, in critical situations. We had some really good runs and some really good defensive plays. But bottom line, uh, we talk about it in coaching, and uh, you've got to avoid losing first. We made some critical mistakes, uh, penalty on the field goal, uh, turnover on our end into the field when we didn't execute the reverse. Uh, let two guys go wide open on man coverage that one resulted in a touchdown. And then we had some uh, people in the review booth that left some things go that should have probably been reviewed, but you can go, we can talk all day about all those, but uh, give Bama credit quarterback made enough plays. But if you'd have told me going into the game, that he'd only passed for 199 and rushed for 44. I would have thought we'd have been in good shape, particularly without their number one running back. We, we had some guys hurt. Losing Mims was critical. It messed up our continuity in the offensive line. And uh, Bowers and, and McConkey played hard, but, you know, they're not the usual self. And, of course, Munden playing on a bad wheel. I mean, he just uh, – he's doing all he can. But uh, he, he's smart enough that he can get by with it in there that those other two guys maybe make some mistakes. But uh, kicking game was good, except for the uh, missed field goal. and. Uh, it's just uh, sad because we are one of the best four teams. I mean, you look at Texas, almost lost to Houston, who fired their coach, uh, almost lost to Kansas State in overtime if a guy can kick a field goal from the 10-yard line. Uh, so, But they, they make the playoff. Uh, and uh, you got to give Washington and uh, Michigan credit. I would say this. I don't see how Michigan's ahead of Washington. You look at the offensive teams that Michigan played this year, I think they played eight teams that are 100 or worse 
in uh, total offense on the season. Teams like East Carolina, Bowling Green, Michigan State, uh, you know, keep on and on. Iowa, although Iowa did a good job defensively against them, but uh, Washington had a lot more big wins with the wins over Oregon twice and Oregon State, and uh, I, I think they should have been ranked one, and uh, Alabama probably got a better draw playing Michigan than they did Washington, in my opinion. I mean, you saw the reaction from the Michigan players. They were not excited when Alabama came up on the board there. You know, the the, the thing that went through my mind, and both of you weren't born then probably, but maybe Roddy was, but in 1977 or 78, or maybe it was late uh, 70s, Nebraska finally beat Oklahoma after losing to them every year when Osborne was the coach. They did win in 71 in the game of the century when uh, Bob Devaney retired, but uh, they finally beat uh, OU at Lincoln. And then after the game, the Orange Bowl came in and said, look, this game was such a good game. We're going to have Oklahoma and Nebraska play again in the Orange Bowl. <laughs> and you would have thought that Tom Osborne looked exactly like Michigan. Did right there. We finally beat him. Now we got to play him again in the bowl. And then, of course, OU had Billy Sims back that that game and, and just crushed uh, Nebraska. But, hey, you don't get those rematches like we were able to get uh, uh, when we were able to uh, play – Alabama a couple years ago, but uh, I still don't see how we could be number one all year and fall to six. Particularly, how do you fall below Florida State with all the rationale they're talking about uh, saying that, you know, uh, hey, they were right in there and all that. And I mean, we were ahead, way ahead of them, but uh, and George will be favor over all those teams. I don't get The other thing that, that just got me was this guy said, and you said it, he said, the coaches on the committee said, you know, one of the things they look at, well, which teams would you not want to play? And how many of them would want to play us? So he didn't bring that out. And uh, and the other thing is we dropped six places. Uh, the three teams that lost in the championship games uh, as a group, uh, you, you look at uh, Louisville, you look at uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State. Oklahoma State lost 45-3 to to Central Florida and also lost to – uh, South Alabama at home. And I'm sure it broke your heart. Yeah, it did. And then uh, and, and then the, the other one was Iowa. But all of those teams combined dropped between the three, four places. We dropped five places as a one seed. So uh, just With a three-point loss. No no rhyme or reason for much of all of this. But, and uh, they'll say, well, you get a chance to redeem yourself in the bowl game. But I don't even know who I was going to play. I don't know who's going to play for Florida State, but uh, knowing the way Kirby motivates his team, I will know pretty quickly. He learned in the Sugar Bowl a few years ago, hey, you either in or you're out. You know, tell us tell us right now what you're going to do, and, and we'll find out who's going to be playing and who's going to be healthy. I'm with you there. Uh, my whole take was if you're saying that Georgia is a worse team than Florida State, you're on drugs. I mean, and you're going to put them six. And here's the thing, even if it, you're, they put them five and Florida State behind them, it would have been um, – uh, it almost would have made it easier for the committee to justify their whole, hey, we don't think this is as good a team as we were before. But to me, they, they tried to be half pregnant, Coach. They said, we think one through three – or you know, uh, 
these teams are the most deserving. I mean, yeah, uh, we got to put in Washington because they went undefeated in a weaker conference, and uh, we, we got to play them. Uh, but not FSU. FSU went undefeated in a weaker conference, but they don't get in. We think Alabama, Michigan, and Texas are the best teams, but we don't think Georgia is the best team. Oh, well, no, Georgia is the best team, but, you know, Washington is more deserving. But, I mean, it's just – about Louisville, How about Louisville? They could have been in the Orange Bowl if they would have tanked that game and, and they said, hey, well, just let them, let them beat us bad as they want to. Uh, and then, you know, then everybody would say that all of a sudden Florida State has got this prolific offense. And although I, I do know that Florida State scored more points uh, in the last games without Travis than maybe uh, Michigan has, or, or you know what I mean, when you look at all the stuff. But, but Louisville's now is going to – what are they going to, the uh, Holiday Bowl or something like that? But uh, But I will give Florida State credit. They did a good job defensively against – Louisville, the first time he'd been held under 200 yards. So, uh, but Louisville, some of those plays they ran in the red zone looked like they were playing on PlayStation, man. I couldn't believe some of those plays. Block a punt and run some of those Dick Tracy plays. I mean, come on. Uh, I got to keep going back to, and again, I don't want to dwell too much on it, but the fact that you had to, you needed a absolute prayer on a fourth and 31 pass to beat a god awful Auburn team. And you're going to tell me that that is one of the best ones out there. And then you play Georgia. Georgia loses. Georgia goes undefeated in the regular season, which apparently you know, it's good enough to get Washington in, but not enough to get FSU in. Uh, you lose by three points with bad officiating. And they, I'm like, again, I'm not even going to c- c- complain about the refs. But if you're going to say that the criteria for leaving FSU out is they their quarterbacks banged up, okay, well, what about Georgia playing without Amarius Mims? But you're going to get him back by that game. In other words, if you got a guy out who's going to be back, and you're looking at a month down the road, okay, look at that. They, I'm they, just saying, they, Alabama, they're without Jason McClellan. When he comes back, you know, it's like, oh wow. They, they in other words, looking at all that guys stuff. out, then, then well, again, guys back. What we need to happen was Washington to lose and Florida State to lose. Then it would have been us, and uh, you'd have you know, Oregon was like fifth then. Then it would have been uh, we could have got in. We could have got in over those because Oregon didn't have that many big wins. It'd have been us, us, Alabama, Texas, uh, Michigan, and uh, hey, Stephen, get get screwed. I hate these people. They're like we 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 perform terrible. You lost a game by three points. You you can just click right out of here. We we what did he say? We played. played Georgia doesn't deserve to be in the the uh, play in the playoffs because they played terrible. I hate these self-flagellating Georgia fans that just complain. And no, we didn't have a, we didn't play as good as we could, but at the same time, we made a lot of good plays too, and uh, really we're in a position to win the game. But uh, but hey, that's that's easy to be critical. I mean, that's part of life. But uh, yeah, he didn't lift any weights. Well, the issue with the committee is that they just got into the projection business, which is something I haven't at least seen them blatantly do. Because like you're saying, Roddy, you can say Florida State's quarterback situation is not great, but it's outperformed Michigan's for the last three games. And then you can come back and say, well, Michigan's a running team. Well, Florida State averages more yards per rush than Michigan does. So if you're going to give that level of scrutiny to Florida State, it ought to go to Michigan as well. And they're the number one team. And I don't think they're one of the best four in the country, frankly. Uh, That's kind of my my point, Dan, is uh, if you're going to – once you introduce that uh, variable, who's injured, who's not, and you're going to start doing that scrutiny, I think you just open up a can of worms. Luckily, and it, 
luckily next year it'll be that kind of where I'm just focused on 12, 13. And I've had people saying, we're going to have these same arguments about 12 and 13. We probably will. But you know what? People aren't going to care as much. 13, 12 and 13 won't be as big a deal as four and five. But I will say this. That's my point. If you're going to be this group, so much scrutiny for Florida State, then how in the world can you not at least consider the fact that the number one team you pick head coach was disciplined six games for the season? Yep. Six times this year, he didn't even coach his team because of quote unquote uh, uh, violations. And it's going to look really bad when all this stuff comes down. And I can guarantee you one thing. If you watch this show, they're going to get Michigan on this sign-stealing thing. They got them cold, and they're still going to let them play. I mean, I don't understand it. It's a, you know, you 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 got more, you got more concrete stuff about what can happen to Michigan, or has happened to Michigan, than you have Florida State that did it on the field without their quarterback, but still won. So, uh, but I, I, as much as I feel for. For that Florida State team, I feel for Georgia. You talk, you talk about people that got screwed. I mean, number one, first time number one team's been knocked out of the top four. To drop to six was the it was the worst thing. I mean, even five, I'd have been livid, but six was just like downright disrespectful. It's like, uh, and I don't, just, I don't get into conspiracy yeah, theory. I mean, Florida State's not good enough to be in the top four without their quarterback. How can they be ahead of Georgia without their quarterback? That, that's all I was trying to say right there. It's like, it's crazy. Anyway, uh, move on from that. Go to, we get a lot of questions about the uh, the actual game itself, plus looking ahead, and, you know, some questions about the transfer portals. We've got some questions about, uh, you know, uh, certain players and stuff like that. We want to get to those. But right now, I'll, first things, I want to bring up one of our sponsors here, our friends over at uh, Athens Ford. Uh, it is December 5th. We're looking. Uh, it's the Christmas time. There's a, people are giving gifts. I want to. Um, if you ever want to do that thing where you get somebody a car and you put the giant bow on there and uh, you know you get it for them, uh, it's in the driveway. I will tell you, Athens Ford has those giant bows. You can do that. They will set it up. They will deliver it. They will put it outside. And, you know, put the keys in your mailbox or however they do that. You can give it to somebody for a Christmas gift. But what I want folks to look at is that they. Um, if you're going to do it, do it with one of the Broncos. They have a ton of the Ford Broncos out there. Those were so hard to find when they first came out, but now they got the uh, tons of uh, inventory. So uh, right now, I think there are uh, 25, uh, 48 Ford Broncos on the lot out at Athens Ford. Okay, they got the the Big Bend, the uh, the Bronco Raptor, they got the Outer Banks. Uh, uh, just tons of uh, black diamond. So any of the packages, any of the customization stuff that you're wanting for on one of those Ford Broncos, they have them. They have great financing deals and great customer service. Of course, they all come with a lifetime powertrain warranty. So if you want to do something, you know, you want to have that big Christmas gift, that kind of fun, uh, memorable thing. I was like, who the heck buys a car and puts it in the driveway? Well, some people do. And Athens Ford, they can take care of that for you. And uh, if you want to really blow somebody's doors off, you know, get them one of the Broncos of which you can take the doors off. That's actually something you can do. Also, if uh, you're like, hey, I can't afford to do the whole um, buy somebody a Bronco thing. Well, you don't have enough money. Uh, you're like me. You can't do that. But what you could do is reach out to uh, Andy Ledecky. Uh, he runs a company called My Perfect Franchise. And what they do is uh, if you were looking for you know, to build wealth, to have your own um, your own company, your own business, 
he's got 3,000 different franchises out there that he can walk you through and say, hey, look, uh, uh, what do you, how much money do you want to put into it? How much time do you have? Uh, what do you want to get out of it? You know, are, are, whatever you want, he can customize your experience around what you need and what you have. So reach out to Andy Ledecky at My Perfect Franchise. He's taken care of a ton of our customers, a ton of our viewers, and he has gotten them into their own businesses. So check him out when you get the chance. Coach, I think one interesting thing that's happened is you have this championship play, you have this committee stuff, but at the same time, the rest of the sport is moving forward to roster management for 2024, and Georgia's in that spot immediately after. At the same time, you have the NCAA now pushing what could be a potential new model I saw this morning of uh, top teams being able to pay their players directly. So a ton of changes happening. What are you most focused on for just the shifts yeah. of the sport? From I would the love to see that new model where, you know, the rich, rich go ahead and do it. And the others, if you can't do it, you can't be in that division. If you're not going to supplement your players through your own money, you know, we've got a lot better chance of, of using the, the uh, gate receipts and things like that with our players than we do raising money. I mean, let me just tell you, it's it's you can say everybody can say, well, you know, Georgia's Georgia and all. But hey, right now, Georgia is not in the upper echelon of NIL money right now. We're working at it. We're doing all we can. But all these other teams were getting their ass beat and getting beaten by Georgia. And they were they would say, what do we got to do to catch up? So um, there's a lot of money out there. And here's what you got to really focus on a, a player that's a marginal pro player right now that might make the draft or might not can make a lot more money and set himself up for life in college, sticking around and playing. That's why you see all these quarterbacks that are some at the top that are, that are going to go pro, but some of these others more than likely aren't, but they're good enough to help some college team and they can make some big bucks. Uh, kind of like that girl for uh, Iowa basketball. She didn't want to go in the WNBA draft and make the minimum of $250,000 when she could make $2.5 million at Iowa for another year. So these kids got their, their own agent. They got people marketing them. And uh, it's out there. I mean, uh, it, it is a real deal. And you can't just say, well, George will be okay. Let me tell you something. Right now, we got to find some resources here. We got to find some way to get this NIL where we're we don't lose anybody. We shouldn't we should lose some players because they're not playing. That's for sure. They want to go, but we should never lose somebody because somebody else and we want to keep them because somebody else offers some more. I just don't think that should happen at Georgia. Do you guys? I do not, but it is happening. There are a lot of whispers out there of guys getting crazy deals to leave Georgia, and uh, it happens. I mean, it's uh, Hamler Alexander. Same way it's true about them coming in, too. You better be, if you want to get these guys, hey, we need D-Lime and we need, hey, if you're going to get them, you better have it. And uh, y'all, the people that are very loyal to me and our program and the, our, and uh, and I know I'm old and everything, and I'm not crazy here. I'm just telling you, stunning reality, Bill, right now. We got to get with the program on the money on the NIL. We got to get it. We're looking at corporate money. We're looking at private. We're looking at everything. But uh, we probably need twice as much as what we got right now. I know you're on the front lines. We cover recruiting. We did the recruiting show last night, and uh, people kept asking us, "What about this kid?" And the you know, where, who's in the the um, 
uh, transfer portal. And they're like, hey, look, you know, Walter Nolan's in the transfer portal. I'm like, Walter Nolan's going to command serious money. Does Georgia have that? They don't right now. Uh, Deion Walker out of uh, Kentucky, that zero uh, technique guy that knows a just absolute monster Kirby do backflips to sign that guy. If, if he goes in the portal, he's not in there yet. At least last I looked, he wasn't. But there was uh, rumors that he would go in there. Uh, he's, he'd make a fortune. And uh, you're going to tell me Texas A&M won't pay for him, Tech, Texas, uh, Alabama, Tennessee. There are schools that are right. – you line them up, and they might go all in on one guy, kind of like Missouri did on Luther Burden. They went all in on one guy. They got him. He had, what, 1,200 yards this year? William Wannanary. How about him? Williams, Yeah, but see, to me, Luther Burden was the test subject. They're like, will this work? They yeah. got a bunch of money. It worked. Now they're like, okay, hey, that worked. Let's go get uh, uh, Williams Wannanary, and uh, they tried to get the other – uh, Ringo, Ringo, yeah, Ringo. Ringo. But Ringo. let me let me let me say this. I'm not just crying wolf here. We we certainly got funds, but the thing Kirby has to do is we got to maintain our present team. It's hard to bring guys in here making more than what your guys are making, you know. Right. And you, you got to keep morale. We got a, a monster roster here, so it's a real fine line there. So I'm not uh, going up, but I would say this. Anybody in the right mind, if for Georgia to be number one in the nation in recruiting and only have two of the top ten players in the state of Georgia coming here, what does that tell you about NIL? Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's my point again. So is that, we, is that a vivid deal or not? And it is best recruiting staff around, but we're just not paying. And one of those is not a Georgia native. That's Rayola that came in. We're not paying the, the in-state guys more than what our players are making, and these other schools out of state wants to pay them that. So, yeah. Coach, let me ask you how – this is a hypothetical because we won't know the answer for sure, but Kyle McCord going in the portal from Ohio State, is it – more likely that another team has made contact with him to say, Hey, if you come to our team, you can get this amount of money. And then he goes back to Ryan day and says, Hey, I'm going to need this to stay here. And then that starts the process. Or is it that Ryan day says, we're going to spend money to go bring someone in to compete for this. I think in this case, that's a good question. I think in this case, uh, Kyle McCord had a good year, but not good enough. And, and coach day said, look, you can stay here and compete for the job, but we're going to try to get Cam Ward from Washington State. And uh, if we get him, you can still stay here, and we're going to pay you what we're paying you. But we're going after Cam Ward. Now, maybe I'm wrong in thinking that, but let's watch what happens. Cam Ward is the guy around the country, the number one quarterback transfer from Washington State. And from what I hear, he's going to Ohio State. So if you're Kyle McCord, you're thinking, well, they're going to spend this money to bring this guy in. They're not going to bring him in there to do uh, knitting drills. I mean, they're going to pay this guy. So I got, enough, I got enough stuff with my resume that I've won, you know, 11 games as a starter. I can go out and probably get more money and, and play. So I, to me, that's the way that looks right now. I, I would say he, look, he talked to the coach, and the coach said, look, we're going after Ward. And if we don't get Ward, we're probably going to go after somebody else. So, you know, but you can still stick around and compete. But, you know, more than likely, you're not going to be the guy. I can add to that. Uh, people keep saying, well, Georgia needs to get more guys on the defensive line. Uh, they need to get this. One of the other things a lot of schools are doing is watching Georgia identify who the talent is. And then they swoop in. 
Georgia's gone after some guy. Look at Javon Bullard at GMC. This is a kid that, you know, a three-star was not uh, as highly recruited as others. Uh, Georgia gets him, signs him. And, I mean, the guy could have transferred last year. He, you know, he could go pro this year. But I'm just using him as an example of somebody that's not highly recruited that Georgia brings in, develops, and knows he's going to be really good. Not everybody was after nine car. Uh, he was committed to Georgia for a while. He blew up. Georgia identified him early. Excuse me. Georgia identifies him early. He blows up. Uh, he's committed to Georgia, and then somebody else comes in and says, look, we got a much better deal here at Miami or FSU or wherever. So I was talking to somebody in the recruiting uh, stratosphere, if you will, that works hand-in-hand -hand with Georgia, and they said, look, Lady schools just waiting for Georgia to sit back, identify who they want, and they sweep in with a giant bag full of NIL. And it's like, look, it's your, their job's easy. They play golf on the weekends because they just wait for Georgia to pick who the good players are. You can do the – what set Georgia and Alabama apart was player evaluations. They were great at picking the, who the right players were. Now you can figure out who they want and just go buy them. So it's uh, it, it's cut Kirby's advantage, all that hard work he does, other people coming in and taking advantage of it by just paying more. So, Still number one, though. Still yeah. number one recruiting. But I think, you know, you look at that, you look at that kid who went to Colorado. We just weren't going to pay what, pay him more than than the guys in state. I mean, that's – Okay, Mikel, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a good player, but uh, – you're 100%. It's, it's really not fair for me to sit here and, and act like I'm some kind of expert on this because I, I really don't know the ins and outs of the financial. You forgot more than we know. I'm talking about the financial details of it, but I mean, the reality is for us to be, for you to give those kind of credos about who the best players are and Georgia identifying them and in our own state not be able to get any, even 10% of our own state's best players. I mean, that's got to tell you what's going on with NIL, isn't it? I mean, you don't have to look back further than the SEC championship to see Caleb Downs a missile from the secondary. Like Georgia needed a guy yeah, like that, that moving forward. And that blitz he had on the goal line. And you know, you'll see Justice Haynes begin to emerge there starting next year, uh, once the depth chart's a little less full. Well, so he, he'll transfer back to Georgia first. See, potentially, potentially. But like the retention pizza, oh, like what, Co hope. <laughs> what Coach just said about McCord, like a lot of that, not all of it specifically, but it applies to what Vandergrift's doing right now. And then if, if Carson Beck were to go pro, Georgia's sitting there with zero quarterback experience and likely having to find someone from the portal. Well, let me say this. Do you really think I mean, and you've got a master's degree now. Congratulations. Another uh, a week or so. Well, you, you, I mean, you got it coming. Do you really think that, that Brock Vandergriff would have put himself in the portal if Beck was going pro? Depends on the money, right? I think he's more interested in playing myself. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, the kid's a very competitive kid, but I'm if I'm Brock Vandergriff, whatever anybody offers me, I'd ask for double. Yeah. I mean, hey, that's the same thing about any deal. Most people going to come in and lowball you, but uh, I think he's a terrific quarterback. I think he – and I, I feel like Beck is, has really shown his mettle to the way he played. But uh, Beck took advantage of the experience he had in preseason and fall camp and never, never wavered. There's no way that he could get beat out the way he played. I mean – he had too much going for him, but uh, I'm telling you, Vandergriff can go in and win for you and win big. I agree. Unless and there's goes, unless he goes to some place like that never has one, like Kentucky, and you know, I, I just everybody says Kentucky. I mean, w w Kentucky to me, he's got a bad mistake on his part. He's got Oregon. 
It'd be, I think he wants to stick around close to home, though. He's tight knit family and all. I wish he'd go to FSU. I mean, it'd be perfect for him. Yeah, there you go. I, I just, I guess, I look at this. Seeing last night in the NFL in the fourth quarter, we had C.J. Beathard versus Jake Browning. There, there's a lack of good quarterback play at the NFL level and in college. So guys like Vandergriff, even if it's just trafficking on hope, but he's super talented. Like that market's going to be there, Coach. Like right. these guys are highly coveted. Right. I mean, I guarantee Browning's making himself some money right now. The way he played last night, somebody's going to swoop him up. I mean, he's very articulate. He played good at Washington. He's got good size, good delivery. I, I bet there's just kind of a guy that's been around. I remember his grandfather used to come uh, out. Uh, Bobby Bethard was the uh, GM for the, for the uh, Redskins and then later on the Chargers. And uh, very, very sound, kind of like Gil Brandt and Dick Cayley, Gil Brandt from – and I learned a lot of uh, recruiting and analyzation techniques from Bobby Beathard, his grandfather. I mean, I was thinking about that last night, sitting in the office listening to Bobby talk about – he used to say, Coach, when you look at a high school player, when he's how much is he on the ground? If he's on the ground a lot, he's probably not going to be a very good player. And if he is on the ground, can he get up without putting his hands down to push himself up? If he uses his hand to push himself up, he's probably not a good enough athlete. Mm. That's a real old old memory from the old coach. Oh, yeah, I love it. It, it's, uh, it holds true today. Hi, Dan, I know we got a lot of questions. Why don't you get to them? Let me pull up the questions here from our members at UGASports.com. Uh, coach, there's some emotional stuff in here still reeling from the game because the first response was from Herschel34 that said, why? That was the question. Why? <laughs> Why do we lose? Why? That was the question. It didn't even ask the rest of it, but I'm assuming something like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, on to the next one. enough mistakes that and they, they didn't really make a lot of, you know, they were a heavily penalized team. I, I do feel like we talked about, uh, about the fact that how are they going to officiate the secondary, and they let their guys bug us the whole night. Uh, they didn't. They didn't call anything on. The, that's the big saving technique. That's the way we play. We we hold the guys, but wasn't much call there. From Red Pants, did you notice bias toward Alabama when you coached at Georgia regarding officiating and scheduling? And do you notice bias now? I really, I think that's probably just because they've been so. Whoever's winning, they were asking me when I was here what was their bias about Florida? You know about how good they were doing. So. Uh, it just goes along with the territory, but uh, I do know that Southeastern Conference offices are in Birmingham, and it's a lot closer to Tuscaloosa than it is a lot of other places. Um, a lot of questions just about the offense specifically after the first drive. So it, some of this, I know you said Mims going out, but what do you think about Georgia's offense and its plan, what it was able to do after that first I drive? Think Two things, Mims being out made us a little bit leery about trust protecting on the edge and maybe we used maybe keeping some guys in to help. And then the other thing is they went to a four down look uh, compared to what they started the game because they, you know, we, we had them a little bit, you know, Nick doesn't like you put formation into the boundary. He won't even let his team do that in scrimmages. Uh, he doesn't like that. And when Kirby knows that and we were doing that, it was working, but they adjusted to it. And uh, the the other thing is, you know, I think the game was a little tight there 
in the second quarter, and uh, we were we were maybe running the ball a little bit more too much on first and second down, and counting on making these third down conversions, and we never made a third and short like we needed to, and it, it hurt us. So maybe we could open up a little bit more on first and second, but we were playing the game like like Alabama wasn't going to score much on our defense, and they weren't there, you know, the first quarter and a half. But that drive they made at the end of the half was just really hurt us badly. I mean, and then when we finally get back in the game, they go 75 yards, and we look like we're not even out there. Yeah, that 75-yard drive, they had first down, first down, first down in the first three plays, and they, I think, passed the 50 at that point. It was just quick, but – I. We have, like you said, a lot of questions about the what changed because Georgia's first drive looked so brilliant running down there, and then the second drive, and they kind of hammed up there. We've had a lot of people saying they changed the game plan. They, uh, you know, did you know Kirby handcuffed Bobo, and or Bobo got scared, or Kirby was scared. It's all every theory out there, and I'm like, you lost Amarius Mims. That that does change everything. And Bobo, I mean, uh, Saban himself said, look. Uh, we were worried about that they could run on us. Then uh, once we just, you know, then we went to forty. You know, they went nickel with a four down lineman. They said they could get pressure with four down lineman, and uh, yeah, their two safeties were split. They he said he also wasn't worried about nineteen and eighty fours. You know, he said they they couldn't hurt us. And I'm like, yeah, they were banged up. So to me, it's not. I know we it's we always kind of want to blame the coaches or blame the calls, but at the same time, I'm like, you had three NFL guys injured. Well, four if you count Smile Mondin. You know, and uh, uh, Dumas Johnson not out there. Yeah, I want to just take up for Smile. He's played all year with a really bad foot, and um, most people would have it in a cast. And uh, you know, eventually it'll come out exactly what's wrong with him. I'm not sure, but uh, just the way he played was so gutty. You know, uh, all these guys, but uh, but you can all every game I've ever won or lost, you go back and play, and I can make calls right now that I should have made or make it. But you, sometimes you worry about your protection so much that you maybe don't be as aggressive in the way you call the the routes. And uh, looking back at it, we didn't throw over the middle enough. We didn't throw deep enough. And we probably should have just put the game in Carson's hands and say, hey, we're going to roll with it. Uh, you know, pass or let him go. But, I mean, they what, they sack him twice or three times. But the other, thing, the other thing that people ask me, but why did we spy this guy so much? Let me tell you something. This guy's a human rocket. You see him when he breaks the line of scrimmage. I mean, we fortunately his rushing stats are down because we sacked him four times. But uh, you can't you can't just let that guy run around. That's how he beat everybody. So uh, we were, we were convinced that he'd have to beat his passing and. He did just enough running to beat us to keep the chains alive. And then uh, somebody saying that that catch to Burton was uh, should have been looked at too. Did did he come close to missing that in the end zone? He dropped one in the end zone. I remember that. Well, I'm talking about the one he had for a touchdown. I mean, when he went down, I, I didn't look at that. Somebody might look at the replay, but said that should have been analyzed along with the one to uh, 17 caught. I look down at the team. SEC, and you're the replay guy. How in the world can you take a check for that game, knowing that you didn't replay that play as big a play as it was? Unreal. 
Well, I looked down at the team stats about two minutes to go in the second quarter, virtually equal. Georgia and Bama were kind of doing the same thing. They were both being somewhat conservative at that point to try not to give up points at halftime. And it came down to that third and 21 where Milrow finds Nyblack for 17 yards. That set up the fourth and four. They weren't going to punt there. But if that's a 10-yard gain, a little less, no gain, then they're punting. Georgia gets the ball. And they get it after the half. Like that just changes the complexion of everything. It changed everything. Yeah, and, and the field goal, I mean, you get a um I think uh who was it? Wilson was in motion there, uh right guard. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes a lot of, but one of the negatives on Carson it, it was the fact that he did take that sack prior to the field goal. I mean, you got to get rid of the ball there, even if you just throwing the dirt. But he'd been so good all year, he you know. Still was close enough to kick it from 45, but, I mean, it's a 10-10 game right there. This question from Mullet Dog, putting compensation aside, but knowing what we know now about the new landscape of college football, would a younger Jim Donnan still have pursued a coaching career in college football? Absolutely. I would have loved the fact that, uh, uh, you, you know, to be at a place like here with the resources we have and places like Oklahoma – uh, you know, we we might have bent the rules a little bit some places, but I mean, if it's if, it, if it's wild, wild if it's wild wild west, knowing the things that we had, I mean, I went to a school one time that w- had bought a guy a car, and he transferred somewhere, and they were so worried about him paying the uh, uh, making the payments that they, and talking about it and turning the turning them in that he kept on. Uh, they kept on making the payments for him, but uh, that's 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 a long way ago, long time ago. But I'm not saying I've heard that exact same story, but <laughs> let, me just, let me just story. Coaches, <laughs> I went to a different school. Most coaches, you know, when you see like for me, I mean, I got my family. Most of them are in Oklahoma, but I mean, I just enjoy being around football, and be, that gives me a some juice you guys know that i i get all i really love being around these kids and and i'm not around them that much but it just gives you something to look forward to and uh you know when you get out of coaching you you uh you look back on it but uh, i love the 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 recruit i mean uh every place i ever went i love to go after players and then i love to train them and develop them too and then the games themselves, that was the best part. And I've seen you needle the rivals a little bit. Like, I mean, did you know Nebraska hasn't been to a bowl game since 2016? I mean, yeah, I mean, that just breaks my heart about Nebraska. <laughs> but uh, uh, Texas. I'm trying, Coach. Texas. I mean, everybody's going to have your uh, your teams that you, that you go against and all. But I had a really good respect for uh, Tom Osborne and his staff and uh, – you know, uh, Burroughs' uh, dad was a graduate assistant there, and uh, he came up to me after a Nebraska game one time and introduced himself to me. And then 15 years later, I meet him. He's coaching at Ohio U, and his son's getting ready to get recruited by Ohio State. So it's pretty cool. Ryan C404 says, Coach, what was your go-to meal at the old Champions on Baxter, where you all did this podcast quite often? Yeah, I I love the fried chicken. I mean, that's just uh, I love, and I still love it out there at uh, when they have it at the uh, uh, 
at Classic City Eats out there in Watkinsville and going out there and do a good job. But I mean, I grew up on fried chicken. I don't know how I'm still alive, but I don't eat as much of it as I used to. But uh, I know one thing. Uh, uh, Kirby, Kirby says, "Hey, talks to our nutritionists and everything. Hey, we want to eat good and all, but hey, they need some fried chicken once in a while too." Yeah, yeah you do. You do kind of supplement it with the whole uh, fried catfish plate, you know. Oh, that was good. Everything, <laughs> everything. Of course, you guys are big on the uh, uh, you, everything on the menu. I mean, hell do, yeah, man. Yeah. Do it a show. It's hard work doing this show. I got to get it. You know, it's about 4,000 calories to knock this show out. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, good calories, I want to mention our friends at Academia Brewing Company. When you get a chance, swing out. Uh, My go to out there is the brats. Oh, yeah. The, the brats out there are fantastic. Uh, look, it, it's a great beer company. They make fantastic beers. They have great food. They have a great place out on Atlanta Highway that you got to check out. They have the beer garden. They have outside seating. They have the huge indoor area. I mean, tons of seating, great bar, uh, a place to do corporate events. I know a lot of people are going to be having uh, Christmas parties. You can go out to academia party, academia and have your party out there. They're also very involved in the community. If you're watching the podcast, you can see the pictures that they have up. They actually were in the Watkinsville uh, Christmas parade. They're going to be in the, uh, uh, Athens Christmas parade here on Thursday. Uh, these guys, they have great trucks. They have, you know, the, the ones they have in their car shows. So again, uh, the folks at academia are a huge part of the Athens community. They're huge Georgia fans and they will take great care of you when you get the chance. Also today is Tuesday. If you want some other great calories, reach out to our friends at, uh, gear pie. Uh, today is Double Points Tuesday. So if you order anything from your pie, you're going to get double points on their app. The the points add up very quickly to free breadsticks, free uh, pizzas, free uh, gelato, free brownies, free drinks. Uh, they, have the, they have the top sellers. I always recommend getting the Southern Heat. Uh, the Lineage is great. I know Coach likes that one. Uh, the Great White. My wife loves that one. Anyway, check out the any of the 70-plus Your Pie locations. Uh, you can get salads, sandwiches, uh, pizzas, of course, and their um, uh, pastas, custom pasta. Go and say, look, I want this pasta. This is all the stuff I want. And they don't charge you. They don't go, oh, well, every every time you add something, we got to charge you more for it. They don't do that BS. So hit up your pie when you get the chance. All right, let's get this question from Mark M. Do you think that refereeing needs to be a full-time job? That would give the opportunity for them to improve their craft. Should that play have been reviewed, in your opinion? Was it a catch? Yeah, it'd be great if you could do it, but I just don't know. Uh, it's just like, you know, why don't they have uh, communications through the helmet now? I mean, you got the money, uh, do it like the NFL. But, yeah, I think the place should have been reviewed. And uh, and listening to Gene Serator, it was definitely a very questionable catch. From OU Herschel Walker says, Coach, I miss having the watch-along show. Gary Danielson just doesn't hold a candle to you. Do you know how Branson Robinson is coming along, and do you think that Georgia may go after a proven back like ETN if um, in the portal to hedge Georgia's bets? Yeah, I mean, uh, hey, we, we didn't have the watch-along. Uh, I was able to go over and watch the game. I enjoyed it in person. It's one of the few times I've been able to do that, but uh, – I was hoping I was going to be able to go down on the field after and celebrate a championship, but it didn't happen. But as far as Branson, he's had, you know, had a tough injury there and it's the only way for it to heal is just rest. And he's coming along extreme. They got to be careful about him lifting weights because 
you know, he doesn't need any upper body help, but uh, <laughs> he, he definitely would have been a go-to guy for us this year, particularly with early season with Edwards being hurt and then Milton too. So uh, I would think both these guys coming out like they are, I would think we would look at uh, a, at least one running back. EDN would be a good one. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens, but uh, he's certainly right on there that, a guy of his magnitudes out there. You got to look at him. He can help your team win. Henderson dog wants more context of why was it such a big difference when Mims goes out of the game? Well, first of all, he's one of the top 15 players in the country and he's a natural right tackle and gives up very few sacks. Um, Trust probably better inside player as a guard where he's got help with the center and all that. And he, he's, he's given up more sacks, not many, but but more as a tackle than he has any place. So that's a big difference there. I mean, uh, a drop-off. And you're planning on uh, maybe using some detached formations with your tight end or uh, in a slot or wider. Now, all of a sudden, to help Mims out, a little, I mean, dress out a little bit, not so much on the – blocking but but on a lineman if there's a tight end there then the tackle has a easier job uh, speed rush by the end so if, if you got two guys here then that guy's got to go between them as compared to there's nobody there then he can get widened and come in a big angle so to me just alignment uh, personnel it's enough of a difference that it's significant well i'll say this folks when you saw uh, Mims get up limping. I don't think anybody noticed it for the longest time, and you kept talking about it during that Alabama uh, uh, possession. You're like, oh, where, what about Mims? What about Mims? You're looking, you're like, asking, is he in the, where, where is he on the field? And then when he was out, you're like, you acted like Georgia, I won't say had lost the game there, but you emphasized repeatedly how big a deal that was. So you called it from the second drive on that it was a, Things would be different without him in there. So, uh, but we can we can complain about the refs. We can complain about the committee. But uh, this year, this Georgia team was banged up more than any. I've covered Georgia thirty years. I've never seen a team banged up this much. Has lost this many starters or had this many starters as limited as they were. And the fact that some of those guys rolled out there on bum wheels, bum knees, bum hips. Uh, Kirby said at the post game how much he goes. I love this team. Look at what you've accomplished. We can say that you know an undefeated Georgia team that only loses by three and it should have been in the playoffs. I'll I'll pound that drum all day, but the fact that they were an undefeated team that only lost by three is damned remarkable considering what they went through. It kind of reminds me of twenty thirteen in some ways. I had a lot of players that have been on that team said we were awesome, but injuries just took them out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, poor preacher coach says if injuries uh, were significantly impacting Brock and Lad, why not use Delp and Love it more? Is a 70% Lad a better option than 100% Love it? Well, we're using Love it a lot as it was, but uh, uh, you got to think we don't know how uh, exactly how uh, limited limited uh, McConkey was. I mean, I don't know that he was 70, but he definitely was, was less, but you know, we probably should have targeted uh, more to uh, love it in the game and maybe some more deep balls, but that's easy to say right now. <laughs> this question, when will Nick Saban retire? <laughs> you know, you, you just got to think that of anybody that 
that had to feel good in the Alabama contingent, it had to be Nick because he's been whipped up here on the last couple of years. I mean, everybody telling me he's over the hill, blah, blah, blah. A week ago, they were within 31 yards of losing to Auburn. And then all of a sudden, he beats Kirby Smart for the first time in 29 games. And uh, it, it's a real testimony to their team that, that they've been able to hold on like this. And, and you know, they played a guy that's going to be a soccer player, I mean, a lacrosse player at quarterback against uh, uh, South Florida. Did you see where Buckner's going to transfer back to Notre Dame and play lacrosse? So here's a team playing for a national championship that, had a lacrosse player playing quarterback against South Florida as a starter. Wow. That's mind-boggling. Uh, I think we lost Dane there. He was trying to put up some of the questions real quick. But I want to go back to um, – Dane, Dane DQ and on us here. Yeah. Uh, who, now one of the questions was in the slot was – who do you think sits out the Georgia versus uh, FSU game? Do you have any idea of some guys that might not play in this game because they might be going pro or um, I, I, I'm we'll, assuming the only reason is because they might go pro. I think we'll know fairly quickly just because of the sugar bowl deal where, you know, we ended up back and forth that one year and lost to Texas. And the next time we played Kirby said, look, you're either in or you're out. If you're not going to play, let us know. And uh, I think he made that edict to our team on Sunday. And uh, we should know this week. Uh, I know they're having some recruits in this weekend, uh, maybe some pro- some portal people. They're going to have a limited practice one day just to maybe loosen up. They're lifting weights and running and all. But I think they'll have a little practice on Saturday so the recruits can see the players and everything. But uh, we should have a pretty good idea this weekend. But. You know, if you just look at guys that are going to be drafted, Mims, Bullard, Bowers, first-round guys like that, uh, it's just hard to know. But I know this. These guys got a good camaraderie. I, I read where Milton said, I went to my brothers to play. Yeah. Uh, I would think if anybody would play, it would be Bowers. I mean, it's hard for me to believe he wouldn't just because of who he is and the fact that he would like to go out being healthy. He's going to have – three or four weeks to get ready now. So uh, you know what kind of kid McConkie is. He hadn't even got to play early all year. So he more than likely he would jack up, up and play pretty good. So I can see Carson Beck, of course, especially if he's coming back next year. I mean, even if he wasn't, I, I could still see him playing in this game just to get one more game under a uh, game film under his belt. Yeah. Yeah. that That's a good point. I mean, if you're not going to come back, I don't know. I just don't know what the rationale is when you're not playing for the championship anymore, except you, you know, you got good morale with your play, your buddies. So yeah. it's just uh, a different world. It's a different world out there. I mean, all these guys got, got these uh, handlers and they got these uh, trainers, you yeah, know, well, to your point, Brock Vandegrift, I mean, Brock, Brock Bowers, he was having people who were not his agents. He doesn't have one. The agent saying, look, hey, sign with me. Uh, by the way, after, don't get the surgery. Just take off the rest of your senior year or your junior yeah. year and uh, get ready for the NFL Combine. And, you know, we cover the Combine. It's very, very competitive. But you're right. These agents are like, hey, don't play in the bowl game. I want you on a flight to uh, Louis, uh, Los, uh, uh, Arizona or South Florida to meet with this trainer. We're going to start training right now. And they'll train for, you know, four months. So 
you're right. It is a whole new world, and especially if it's not the playoffs. I can see um, it could happen. But you're right. Uh, there's some guys that who are going to play because they want to, and some guys who are going to who are not going to play because they've been advised not to. So, and hey, I, I will. I won't begrudge any of them either way. Next question here, Coach AAD CEO wants to know why didn't Milton get more carries? <laughs> I mean, I don't know the rationale of what. I mean, uh, I got tremendous confidence in uh, Coach McGee, and he knows how to move them in and out. But certainly, the, toward the end of the year, Milton, particularly short yardage, was uh, more effective. But uh, it's you can't take anything away from Edwards' the career he had. So uh, it, it, it's definitely. Uh, maybe situationally, Milton might have got some more on short yardage for sure. We'll get to Valdosta Dog 90, but Roddy, I want to make sure we talk about Dead Soxie here because holiday season. Yeah, uh, and they've got a deal going on right now that they don't normally do. This is specifically for the UGA sports folks. I, you know, a few weeks back, they had their uh, Black Friday deal, or, and then they had their 40% off that they were offering to UGA sports fans or UGA sports readers, but not anybody else. Right now, they have a site-wide 33% off. Use promo code UGA Sports. The promo code is usually uh, gets you 25% off, but promo code uh, UGA Sports gets you 33% off um, site-wide. Now, here's the cool thing. If you think about getting someone socks for Christmas, you know, it sounds like an old cliche. It sounds like something you did for your uh, hardworking dad in the 70s, you know, or some god-awful Mother's Day gift or something like that. And you're like, don't buy them socks. That's stupid buy these socks, get these socks for people because they are phenomenal. They are comfortable. They are soft. They don't fall down and they come in packaging that takes one thing. You don't have to get them and go, okay, now I got to find a fancy box to put these in to kind of make them look cooler than they are. You don't have to worry about that. Well, the way they come, uh, hell, I actually still have one of the first uh, boxes that they sent me because it was a black and cool and like i use it for some other stuff i think i have uh eight millimeter videotapes in there you know so i use it as a storage box the the boxes are fantastic the packaging is great so reach out to dead soxy get some socks for your family and use promo code uga sports to get 33 percent off question from valdosta dog 90 coach what do you see as george's biggest need going into the portal and since the only answer is defensive line who are some potential guys that you might like <laughs> Rhetorical, rhetorical, rhetorical. Uh, yeah, I think D line. Uh, I, I saw where Zion Logue might be able to come back, you know, for his sixth year uh, if he wanted to uh, because of the COVID. But, uh, you know, you, you always need big bodies, you need big strength guys. Uh, a guy you hear about is out there is Walter Noor, and that we were recruiting at, was it Texas AM? He, mm-hmm. he certainly. Lyman that, that you'd look at. And uh, uh, we probably need maybe a receiver in the portal. Uh, uh, you can always use a, uh, you know, all of a sudden we're going to have some young offensive linemen. All, you know, with these guys leaving, maybe uh, might take one that could be an instant starter if you knew who he was. But, uh, and then uh, probably we mentioned the back too. Poor preacher. All of a sudden, Beck goes, Beck goes uh, pro. Then you might look at a quarterback too, just because even though you got young quarterbacks coming in, he would. I mean, I think Gunnar Stockton's a good quarterback, but uh, you know, you don't have one quarterback 
Yeah, maybe both these two guys will be here for the spring. I don't know. From Poor Preacher, what do you think about the decision to let the first half in without any real attempt to score? He's rephrasing it. Why not make more of an attempt to score? Down 10, had a timeout, 50 seconds. Maybe you let a little clock go and take a deep shot. But it just seemed like Georgia just kind of sat on it, is what he says. Yeah, we knew we'd get the ball first the second half, and we hadn't been uh, – I think they're just trying to regroup and get out, you know, thinking about that way we played against Mississippi State down there. Uh, new, you know, I just think you, it certainly makes good points there. You could go for it, but I always feel like this. If you hadn't done anything in 29 minutes and 10 seconds, what makes you think you're going to do it now? Uh, so uh, particularly with the injuries we had with uh, Mims out protection-wise, you know, worry about the sack getting hit from behind and giving them the ball. Uh, you got the whole halftime to analyze, and we did a good job. Second half, we came out and scored uh, – well, we had seven the first half, and we ended up with 24. We scored 17 second half. That's a very fair assessment there. From Chris Landino, not just for coach. So, oh, Roddy, we're included too. This is yeah. nice. Uh, but why are we playing uh, Bama and Tuscaloosa next year when the last regular season matchup was against them in 2020? That was also there. Was the scheduling impacted by the addition of Texas and Oklahoma? So playing back-to-back in Tuscaloosa rather than flipping – home and home with them. It's just the whole schedule got flipped on its head, right? That's the answer. Yeah, who knows? Whatever happened in the past is out the door. Plus, we got the neutral site game, and you got to have so many away games and so many home games. And this is a year we only get, I think, three home games, and then it's the way it works uh, with that Florida game being like it is. But Definitely going to be a challenging schedule. Open up with Clemson, playing Texas on the road. You're playing two of the four teams in the playoffs on the road next year, and you're playing uh, possibly the two teams playing for the national championship. But that's why you play in Georgia, though. I mean, we will be okay. From Lump Dog, Coach, thanks for your contributions to UGASports.com. Giving the demands on Kirby with two signing days, the transfer portal, NIL, do you see, foresee Georgia and Kirby hiring an individual to serve as a salary cap slash NIL manager to help the fundraising and handle current players who constantly ask for more money? I know one thing that's out there uh, in some of these schools. I know Oklahoma uh, has talked to some guys that work up in the uh, NFL on the salary cap, you know, that know how to manage the, you know, because they do have a cap in the NFL and, and the same thing's true with, the, with your own team. You know, how, how are you going to, we talked about this on the early part of the show, who's going to make more than the other guy, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's a unique deal. Third year in college football. It's got to be something that's considered. We certainly got some people on our staff that are very competent at that, but having somebody full time, managing it and we do have a collective where where the guys work on the, getting the money and just distributing it once they get in but deciding who gets what uh, i think most of that goes back to the coaches so it's definitely a good question and somebody that we could use that's for sure and i saved this final question from uga sports for this part of the show because coach i think this is is one that's up your alley rug slinger asked this says you've always been great at giving fans a realistic assessment of the state of the program good bad or otherwise what is your message to georgia fans about the reality of uga situation as we move forward after this loss that's definitely uh 
one that I've got to uh, make sure I be very distinct and uh, not go overboard and be uh, over optimistic or be the prophet of doom. I think two things. One, we're in a good position with our present squad and with the recruits that are coming in as evidenced by the guys we brought in last recruiting class. There's going to be a lot of guys that can play and play early. And some of them played early last year. And the fact that Beck's back would give you a dominant quarterback too. The other part, which is a little bit uh, as far as being the dominant team, is these other people know what it takes now to catch up with Georgia, Texas, uh, Alabama redirecting their deal with their collective. And uh, they just didn't sit still when Georgia was dominating. So we got to continue to uh, evolve and, and, and get, like I said, at the first of the show, uh, we're a little bit behind in what we need money-wise. So uh, I, I'm not too concerned about it because I know Georgia people and the corporate will – step up but uh I, I would say that uh going into next year there's three teams that are national powers in the league georgia texas and uh and alabama and the other teams are going to probably keep working to catch up but uh, that's the way i see it i agree with you 100 and folks if you were one of those out there and again i don't have any uh connection to the classic city collective i mean we uh, mentioned their hunker vodka on one of our shows, but uh, if you think that somebody else is going to step up, you know, if you have a business and you're not, you're like, well, I'm sure somebody else has Carson Beck, you know, uh, selling cars for them, or has uh, Cedric Van Brand doing this, or Jermaine, uh, um, I mean, uh, Jav- uh, Javon Bullard doing his thing. Don't assume it's somebody else. You know, if if you want someone to represent your company and you want to be a Georgia player, don't just assume that somebody else is going to do it because that's the thing. It's uh, as coach mentioned when he came on, having spoken to NIL people, they're like, look, you know, we've we're Georgia, but a lot of people are just sitting back expecting Kirby to do all this on his own. This guy right here wants to give us $2 million. No, there you go. See that that's what we need folks. We need somebody to pop in and just uh, call coach, send him a check and he'll take care of it. All right, folks, that's all the time we have for this week's show. We will be back next Tuesday at noon. We appreciate everybody tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show because we damn sure enjoy bringing it to you. And we will see you next week. Take care.